Hello and welcome into this edition of your favorite football podcast. I'm Raceland. Alongside me today is James. Uh, James, we got quite a bit to get into today. Uh, we got we're doing two episodes today, correct? Yeah. So with my uh, football schedule the way it is laid out uh, during the high school season, um, we're doing two episodes. We're recording the regular show tonight, um, which will be dropping the tonight as we uh, wrapped up, which should be Tuesday night, the sixth. And then also we'll be recording our predictions um, right after, which will be posted Thursday morning, um, just to keep it consistent with what it has been in the past. So that's why, uh, yeah, two episodes tonight. And then once high school season ends, uh, we might, you know, go back to, you know, splitting it up up a little bit. But um, as of right now, yeah, that's the uh, that's the uh, future for the near future anyway. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so. We're going to kick it off real quick. We're going to go in right into the weekend of college football. I mean, it was an exciting weekend, um, the first full weekend of, of football. And, I mean, it, it stretched from Thursday to Monday. So five straight days of college football. I know you watched as much as you could. I watched as much as I could. What, what were some of the biggest takeaways that you found from this weekend? Yeah, some of the takeaways, man. I mean, for one, I think, I, I guess, Georgia being dominant as they were against Oregon. Um, that game was really over at halftime. It was 28-3 to going into the half, um, and Georgia continued the dominance in the second half and the final score of 49-3. Um, I think that was the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, we had a lot of question marks about the Bulldogs coming in, right? They lost a lot of uh, talent on the defensive side in the draft this year. A lot of people were criticizing Stetson Bennett for being just a game manager. But, man, Stetson Bennett really showed out. He had over 350 yards passing, um, two touchdowns, and that defense looked just as dominant as they did last year. So, I mean, I guess that's the biggest takeaway for me was, Watching that game unfold because I obviously had it on the Miami game for the you know for most of that game, um, and then I turned it off at halftime. But then, I mean, as I was watching that Georgia game, you know, I was like, man, that's just a they were just flying around the football. Oregon had no answer, so that was the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, I guess for me, um, I mean, having watched Stetson Bennett last year, especially in the playoffs. I was hoping he would he would kind of continue that trend, um, and obviously he did. I mean, he 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 tore up Oregon's defense. Um, the biggest takeaway for me was that Notre Dame actually might be pretty decent this year. I mean, I mean, I know I give or, or Notre Dame a lot of crap because they're always you know, they they say it's it's their year every year and they deserve everything, and I'm always against it. But man, after watching that game. Saturday night. I mean, they've got a they've got a speedy defense. Like their defense is really solid. Um, you and I talked about it a little earlier. They got to work on their offense. Uh, if they can get a, a a solid running game going, that can open up the pass game for them. I mean, it's basic football one hundred and one. It just seemed like that you know Ohio State's defense for them was too much. But if they were to play, go out and play. Uh, Anybody else, really, in my opinion, who, if you take the way Ohio State's offense played, especially in the first half, and then if you were to lower the defense a tier or two, let's so let's say they go out and maybe play um, a Clemson or even an Oregon, I think they come away with a week one victory. 
Yeah, I mean, they actually do play Clemson later in the year in November, and they also play USC. But the thing with Notre Dame is, it's and I kind of went on my, you know, a rant or last week, but it's whenever they are going against a team that's, you know, that has a playoff implication to it, right? It's just, you know, the way it played out this year was they had Ohio State right off the rip. They never win those games. And granted, they played a lot better than I did. I, I will admit when I'm wrong, I thought it was going to be a route. I mean, I came out here and said it was going to be like that Michigan State last year, and it wasn't. It was a pretty good game. But again, they cannot come out with the victory. I mean, that game was well within reach for the whole entire game. And they couldn't find a way to win. So, to their credit, it wasn't a blowout. But man, if you're Notre Dame, you know, the prestige of the Irish, you know, winning championships back in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, it's just like deja vu again, isn't it? It's big time game, under the lights, prime time, playoff implications, right off the rip, loss. I mean, eventually that's got to turn around if you want to get back into being seriously taken as a playoff contender. Because, Rayson, I'm looking at their schedule now. I, I Again, until Clemson at, at, in November and USC at the end of the year, no real games have implications that's going to really open the eyes of the committee when that time comes. I mean, a win over Marshall is not going to do anything. A win over Cal is not going to do anything. A win over North Carolina is not going to do anything. BYU's ranked currently, but who knows who's to say they're going to be ranked in a month from now. Stanford's not going to do anything. UNLV is not going to do anything. Syracuse isn't going to do anything. Clemson, if if you see the Clemson team, that might bolster your team. I mean, your your resume a little bit, but who? I don't think they're a top five team. And USC at the end of the year. So really, from here on out, you have two legit, you know, playoff contention games that you, you can use to boost your resume. So that loss, that week one loss, is kind of devastating early on. As crazy as that sounds, I might be overreacting because that's what we do after a week one of slate of college football. But looking at their schedule, if they want to be in that top four, that's a huge loss for them. No, and I mean, it definitely is. They're going to have to have a lot of help from other teams that will play Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and then whoever that fourth seed could end up being. They're going to need a lot of help from from uh, the, 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 the teams that those three play and then the four play. I, I could potentially see Notre Dame maybe squeaking in at the end of the season, but, I mean, like you said, having that first loss in week one, now, yes, it was to the, the at the time, second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, but they, they really can't afford to lose another game. They have to win out at this point to, to have potentially have a chance at making the playoffs. Yeah, but Raceland, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it was against the number two Buckeyes, but man, if look at it from this perspective, right? Look at the playoff teams that we are accustomed to seeing in these games, right? Alabama's, the Clemson's, the Ohio State's, the Georgia's. What is one thing they all have in common? They they They're go out at, like Georgia just went and beat down the Ducks to where they might be questioning themselves, looking at themselves in the mirror right now saying, what happened in that game? They are probably doing that at halftime. All right? Yeah. And that was a number 11 Oregon team. Now, granted, we all thought that was overrated Oregon, right? They shouldn't have been number 11. But it's still they, they still went out and dominated the game. Ohio State found a way to win that game. Alabama, yeah, yeah they played unranked Utah State. But – 
when they play a Texas team unranked, but they're going to beat them down. Alabama wins those ranked opponents games countless amount of times. They got to find a way to beat the team they're not supposed to beat when it comes to Notre Dame. And they haven't done that. And 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 that might change when they play Clemson because I think like it's, like you said Raceland early on. I think Notre Dame's defense is really good. Offense is struggling, but the defense was really good. They really impressed me. And if that defense shows up against Clemson, they might beat Clemson. They very well could. I mean, um, I, I can for, I, I can foresee Clemson being um, possibly still in the top five. I mean, the, the, the AP polls came out today, and Clemson is, is fifth. I could very well see Clemson still being in the top five, or at the very least top ten, uh, when it comes time for them to play Notre Dame. The only thing I will say about Notre Dame's defense, and, and I'm not taking away from – their offensive line, you know, they, they, they could end up being a, a, a pretty good offensive line here in the upcoming weeks. But if you look at Ohio State's defense, again, I'm going to give them a little bit of praise. Jim Knowles going in, he reinvented or rein, he, he reintroduced the silver bullet. I mean, it, I, you and I were texting during the game a little bit. I mean, Ohio State was in the backfield. It seemed like every play for the first three to four drives. Well, and that's what Jim Knowles does, though. I mean, if you watch the Oklahoma State team from last year, is he moves people a lot, man. They fly around the football. They're very aggressive. And that's something that Ohio State hasn't seen the last couple years. And really, they haven't seen that in probably the last, what, since their championship team back in 14? So I, I think now that they have that missing piece was the defense, Ohio State can make a push. However, what we saw offensively from Ohio State is really concerning, right? Because, yeah, Njigba went down. However, no one stepped up. Nobody stepped up. And what was the rave coming out of that Rose Bowl game? There was no Chris Olave. There was no Garrett Wilson. But everyone stepped up in their roles to make the offense still run like a well-oiled machine. That did not happen Saturday night. And Njigba went down, and Marvin Harrison was kind of, you know, okay. Ibuka, um, right? Is that his name? Ibuka? Yeah. He had a good game, I thought, but it, it's but it wasn't like anything to write home about. It was a decent game for him as well. And, you know, I think that has to change because if that doesn't change, I think Ohio State would be fine, right? It's week one, right? We were, again, overreacting. But that was not the same C.J. Stroud we saw last year. And that certainly wasn't the same, you know, and Jig, I mean, and Jigba went down, so I can't really put the blame on him. But that wasn't the Marvin Harrison we saw in that Rose Bowl game. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Again, we talked about this um, today at work and at lunch. I mean, things for a loop. Um, you and I talked earlier about you know how Stroud. A lot of his passes didn't look good. Uh, I went and looked at the stats. He still ended up seventy percent, which it's not awful. It's not kind of where you want to be, especially for someone of his caliber. But it's still it's it's. They can do with it. They can work. With it. They can. They, there's nowhere else but up, really, for him. I mean, especially if he can get back to the same form he was uh, mid-season last year and towards the end of the season. I think once they finally get their feet underneath them and get their wheels turning and rolling, and they're all on the same page. The offense will be fine. 
Yeah, I, I if I I'm like that's why I said it was an overreaction. But I mean, that's yeah. but th- for that to happen, right? For CJ Stroud to look like he was last year, for the offense to run like they did last year, those younger guys have to step up. You don't have the three deep receiving the receiving room like you did last year, where you had three first round caliber guys, and Jugba is included in that. Now, yeah, now you have one with maybe some third to fourth round guys that are young guys right now. They gotta, they gotta develop and learn, which they have a lot of time, right? Because let's be honest, when it comes to Ohio State schedule, there's probably what one more test in that, and that's probably Michigan, and maybe Michigan State. So they have some time to get that 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 stuff figured out. And I think Ryan Day is a really good coach. So I think he will figure it out. But, man, that if you're an Ohio State fan, I understand the concern there uh, after week one, especially at the half where it was like, man, what is – because you're not used to that if you're an Ohio State fan. Right. Okay. Now, I, I mean, I was I was talking to um, one of the guys I do another podcast with, um, and, and he said that, you know, yeah, Ohio State won, but he. This is why he doesn't think Ryan Day is the guy because they should have blown Notre Dame out. And I, I, I kind of, you know, we were uh, messaging in the, the the podcast group chat, and I'm like, "What do you mean he isn't the guy? He he he's 35 and four. Ryan Day is all time right now as a head coach at Ohio State. He's 35 and four. Teams would kill for their head coach to have that record." They'd love to have him. Now, this guy is also, he, he's a fan of Chris Holtman, that he, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, head basketball coach. He likes him. He thinks he, he, gets, he should get a few more chances. So I kind of threw back at him. I'm like, I think Day's more of the guy than Holtman is. And he, he, he never responded because he knew I was right. I mean, at, at 35 and 4, he's only got one Big Ten loss. And that was to Michigan last year. That just wasn't a good game all around for the entire team. Whether and that that, that goes from from coaching to offense to defense to special teams to hell even the water boy. I'm gonna throw the water boy in there. That that whole game was just an entire mess. Right. Those other three losses come in the playoff. Now there's a lot Ryan Day still has to learn. You're not he, you're not going to have a, a first year head coach go in and win right off the bat. He's not going to win everything right off the bat. Um, the championship last year, or sorry, two seasons ago now um, against Alabama, there was no way in hell any anyone in, in college football was beating that Alabama team. Not with Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, um, and that that offense was just deadly. That whole team was. Um, and then last year, not even making it because they didn't. Because they they didn't even make the playoffs, so I you you can't expect perfection from a guy who is just what four seasons in now. This will be his, this is his fourth season as head coach, um, and again thirty five four man. You know, I don't I don't know how you can get much better than that without being perfect. Well, Raceland, this is the point though, and th- and this is really the here's the how am I going to say this without. Sound like a jerk. Go ahead, say when, whatever you gotta do. When when fan bases are so used to winning, 
right? When they're so used to winning, yeah. like yeah. Ohio State's, the Oklahoma's, the the Alabama's, whoever. USC, U- USC, Notre Dame, whoever, whoever they are. When they are so used to winning and they see a game like week one, they panic to the point where they say, this is not the guy, but they're so blinded about what the guy has done for them. They always think there's someone better out there. Show me realistic. Okay, Ohio State fans. Let me, I mean, specifically the person you're mentioning. Name me a guy that, that will be available that Ohio State can go get that'd be better than Ryan Day. You can. Nick Saban's not leaving Alabama for Ohio State. No way. Um, you're not going to go get. You're, you're not. You're not getting Kirby from Georgia. I mean, you're. Who? Are you? And honestly, those would be the only two coaches that I would ever, ever consider. And yes, I said consider putting over Ryan Day. The only one I would absolutely take is Nick Saban because of the prestige and and the, the mentality, and the toughness he brings to his Alabama teams, the way he can build his team. Kirby Smart, I only say consider because he, like Ryan Day, is only still just developing as a head coach, as a, as a great head coach. But, Raceland, to that point, hey, even Kirby Smart there in Georgia was being questioned if he was the guy until last year. I know. And, and that, again, that's what I'm saying. But and that's the thing. It's just crazy to me. Like, a guy, I mean, whoever that person is, I don't know him personally, I don't think, but. Why would you no, I don't 35 and 4 and you're unhappy? I mean, come on, wake up and smell the roses. Your team was in the p- playoffs two years ago and one game away from the conference championship last year. One year, whoopity do, slow start week one. If you're that, if you're that, you know, like peculiar of you have to be 11 and 11 and 1, 12 and 0 every year. And you have to start off quick by blowing out your opponent. Guess what? That's not your typical uh, Toledo, Arkansas State, Tulane, Hawaii that the Ohio State's used to opening up with. Um, that's not right. a dig at those schools, but that's the first. This is the highest ranked opponent in Ohio State since like eighteen. It was like twenty years. I read it was it was a very long time. So yeah, yeah. you're not going to go in there and, and and ragdoll the opponent like you're accustomed to doing. Guess what? You won the freaking game. But he's not the guy. How about this? How about whoever that person is? How about you go be a fan of, um, I don't know, Wisconsin or Penn State or a team that wants to win, but they're stuck at the eight or nine wins? How about being a fan of a Miami team? I'll throw my team in there. A team that's clawing to get back after 20 years. How would you you be calling for every coach to be fired after a game? Jeez Louise, Graceland. Some people, man. Some people. Some people. Thirty-five and four, and, you, and he's not the guy. I'm sure you weren't saying that when he was in the national championship game, game against Alabama. I'm uh, sure he was uh, the guy then. Jeez winning, Louise. Winning. If you're not used to win, if you're not used to to losing, winning is blinding. Because you, you can win 35 games. You lose one game. You lose four games. People are calling for your head. People are calling for you to be fired the next day. Our generation, it's sad to say, but our generation, if, you, if you're growing up, if you're an Ohio State fan, if you're an Alabama fan, a Georgia fan, 
you're you're expecting wins every damn week, and not every damn week can you get a win. Ohio State got a win against a top five opponent. Yes, it was at home. Yeah, the offense didn't look great in the first half. I wasn't calling for Stroud's job. I'm not calling for Ryan Day's job. You have to look at it as a realist. You have to look at it not as a diehard fan, but also from the perspective of, hey, like like you said, James, hey, I could be a fan of, of Miami, who, again, crawling their way back in. I could be a fan of Wisconsin, who, yeah, we might make the championship, the, the, the Big Ten championship, but there's no way in hell we're going to win because we're going up against Ohio State or Michigan. I could be a fan of Hawaii. Hawaii got thrashed week zero against Vanderbilt. You've got you to take all of it in. You can't just say it's my team. I only care about my team. You know, everyone cares about their team. Yes, that's fine. But you, get, you have to look at it from a different perspective. It can't just be, well, we lost. Uh, I'm tired of this guy. Get rid of him when he's 35. That's the thing, though. He did it in a win. <laughs> he won and the he, game. He won yeah. the game, and he's calling for his job. And, and, and if, if if he had lost that game, I'm not saying there would be a valid point to call for his job. But Ryan Day did what he does best. And this was pointed out to me because I, I said last week that I, I thought it was going to be from the get-go, Ohio State, start fast, start strong. They didn't start strong. They started fast, but not strong. Um, someone pointed out to me that Ohio State has always been a second-half team while under the, the head coaching terms of Ryan Day. Ryan Day, again, did what he does best. He adjusted. He stuck to the run game. He put Travion, Williams, or, uh, Travion Henderson and Ryan Williams in there, and he just let them bowl through, guys. And when I say bowl, I mean they were hitting people like they were a Mack truck, running them over and he and keep going. That's what he does best. Ryan Day does second-half adjustments better than I would say anyone in the NCAA. Well, and that's the thing, though, too, is we got to keep in mind what you well, – the point you just made is really valid, right? But that's what the great coaches do. They go in, they make the adjustments, they come out in the second half, and, and you see a difference. However, yeah. we also got to keep in mind this is week one. A lot of times – and, and you're guessing of what the team's going to do to you, especially under a new regime. You don't know what they're going to look like. You don't know what their personnel is going to be. You don't know what scheme they're going to throw at you. There's a whole bunch of unknowns, especially with a new regime that Notre Dame has, that they probably, and they're the greatest of the greatest, be like, yeah, we can guess. We can give a great, you know, logical guess, but we're not 100% certain until they throw it at you. So, it, but that's the thing, like, but. The fact that he said he's not the guy after a win just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, that's just I, – I mean, I, that I, I, that's a fan you'll never please. I don't know who this person is, and you can tell him I said that, and I'll say it to their face. That's a fan that you'll, you'll, you, you, you can get a national championship T-shirt and make and complain about something. I, I, yeah. I, 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 that's just ridiculous to me. No, I, no I, I, I definitely agree with you what you're saying here. I mean, it, it's true. I, now, I'm not going to say the guy's name. I'm not going to mention who it is. Um, but, like I was saying, you know, I was, like I told you earlier, um, I was at Chris and Alex's house, guys from uh, Not Your Sports Fans podcast. 
I was at Chris's house um, Saturday night watching the game with him and Alec. And after the game is when I got the message. And I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, are you serious? Like, like I, I, I was, a, I was upset. Like, you know, you know, he's, he, he, he is the guy. He is arguably the second best guy we could possibly have as a head coach in college football. And yes, he's second, arguably second, because you can argue him and Kirby Smart as number two. There's no arguing against Nick Saban. No. All right. Uh, so we need to move on. Um, what are so we, we talked uh, a little earlier today about um, bold prediction um, just after week one. What would you say is probably are some of your biggest bold predictions so far? Well, my my biggest bold prediction is um, Scott Frost will be let go before the ha- the midway point of the year. Okay. Um, I don't think that's a bold prediction, but <laughs> well, and I, the reason it's bold is because look, I mean, it's I don't think they're going to let him finish the season. Unfortunately, I'm not calling for anybody's job. I don't want anyone to lose their job. But you lose to Northwestern in the fashion you do, and then you have to pull away from a North Dakota, not North Dakota State, but North Dakota team um, at home. It that's just one of those things to where. It's not going to be pretty for Nebraska. They might they might be looking at another two or three win season. Um, and another one is this was my biggest bold prediction. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, might be the best quarterback in college football. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done this year, he might be looked at as the best, number one quarterback coming out. No, actually, that was one of my bold – that kind of tied into one of my bold predictions. Um, I mean, one of my biggest ones is, is Florida's legit. Yeah, I mean, I think Florida is legit. I, I look, don't, I, the only thing that, cons, that concerns me with Florida is they couldn't stop Utah. The only reason Utah yeah. would stop – Utah would stop themselves. <laughs> like – Yeah, yeah. But – I think that this is a different Florida team under Billy Napier than we're used to seeing. And yep. I think the Anthony Richardson is the real deal. And no, I agree. The only thing for him is he has to stay healthy. And that's the question mark. Can he stay healthy? But, I mean, if he stays healthy, that Florida-Georgia, Florida-Alabama matchups, I mean, I'll, let me pull up their schedule. I'm pretty sure they got – I know they got Georgia. Let's see if they have Alabama this year. Uh, I'm looking. They don't. So they're they have. But listen to this: back to back weeks, Georgia and Texas A&M. Hoo-hoo. Yeah, I mean Florida. I mean they have Kentucky this week. Now the only thing is, right? If you're a Florida fan, this goes to the overreaction, right? Me and you are both saying they're legit and all this, but they better not let this one slip. No. You cannot go on a – you can't have a top 10 win, be voted number 12 in the newest AP poll, and lose this game at home. No, you can't. You can't. And, I mean, it, it's against Kentucky, who they're a top 25 team as well. But, again, like you said, they, they beat a top 10 team in Utah. They were seventh at the time. They can't go in and they can't lose to Kentucky at home. They, they have to keep the wins rolling. 
Yeah, I mean, if you so, lose that one at home, it's devastating. I mean, it just it just lets all the air out in the balloon. It does. It does. So, um, one of my biggest, one of my boldest predictions outside of Florida being legit this year um, is that Ohio State probably has one of the best defensive lines in the nation, if not the best. I mean, you've got you got Jack Sawyer, who is a young stud. Um, you've got JTT, uh, again, another young stud. And then a guy who really presented himself week one against Notre Dame and Mike Hall Jr., defensive tackle. He's a guy who uh, Jim Knowles said that in a press conference before week one that, or in training camps that there was a guy on the defensive line who was a dog. And, and he, he was ready to play every day. and He was, he was doing his damnedest. He was getting everywhere. It's starting to look like that might that Mike Hall was the guy he was talking about. Um, and last season, when Jack Sawyer and JTT were on the field, they weren't on the field together all the time. But when they were, uh, it seemed like at least one of them was getting in the backfield to the quarterback and the running back and stopping them for a loss or getting the sack of the quarterback. So you put those two out there, and then you you bring in the new the new blood in Mike Hall. I mean, honestly, I think Ohio State has the best defensive line in the nation, if not one of the top two. I think it's definitely top two, but I think uh, the Clemson Tigers defensive line will have words with you. Now, why do you say that? Dude, because, I mean, if you watched that game last night, they dominated the the, the interior. Dominated. Okay. I mean, it, and I get it. It was Georgia Tech. I get it. But, man, they the way they dominated that Georgia Tech line – I mean, they couldn't get anything going offensively. They couldn't. They couldn't. And, well, and, and that was because guess, of the front four. And and that's why I said this, what I did about Ohio State's defensive line is because, you, again, like I said, the first three to four drives, Ohio State was in the backfield every play, damn near every play. Um, second half, it kind of faltered off a little bit. But, I mean, they still made noise, though, when they came to the rush. When, they, when the, they're opposing the run game, the pass game, they still made noise. I think when it's all said and done, Ohio State will end up with the the top one. Of the, their defensive line will be one of the top two in the nation. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I think I think they're that now. I just think Clemson is. Uh, I think what I saw Monday night against Georgia Tech, that Clemson D line is fierce. But oh, caveat and, and so, it is Georgia so, Tech. Right, and that, that was my counterpoint. I mean, they, they play Georgia Tech and not Notre Dame. Now, we'll have to wait and see um, what Clemson's defensive line can do against um, better teams, what Ohio State's defensive line can do against better teams, and what um, Notre Dame's offensive line can do against, again, lower teams. Um, is Notre Dame's offensive line solid? Is, is Ohio State and Clemson's defensive line, are they what we're – talking them up to we'll have to wait and see again it's only a matter of time before we see that these next two weeks for Ohio State they're not going to tell us anything they're playing Arkansas State and Toledo so what I'm intrigued to see is Ohio State against Big Ten teams because if there's one thing the Big Ten is known for and known for really well especially in the Midwest is their offensive line the trenches play that's where the game is impacted the most in the Big Ten is in the trenches. 
can Ohio State's defensive line go up with um, the always? It's the the always seems to be great Wisconsin offensive line. It seems like every year Wisconsin's throwing in guys left and right to the NFL draft who end up being solid players, at least solid players. I was the same way. Iowa always tends to have a, a pretty good offensive line. Can Ohio State's defense, can their defensive line penetrate those those offensive linemen, get a backfield, um, hell, even 60% of the time? Can, can they do that, or, or is Notre Dame's offensive line just that bad? I mean, we'll find out as the season goes on. But, Raceland, let's go ahead and dive into the AP Top 25 before we wrap things up here. Um, and I know a lot of people listening home is probably like, well, why haven't they talked about the uh, playoff expansion? That's because uh, we're going to get in more in depth with it probably next week when we have more time to, because uh, I want to look at the the finer line details of what what it's going to look like before we uh, before we dive into that. So, based on the top twenty five, I mean, a lot of bit of shake up though. I mean, not really much at the top. I mean, Alabama there at one, Georgia moves up to two, Ohio State falls to three. Um, Michigan climbs up four spots to go in the t- number four, and Clemson drops to number five in the country. Look, I mean, I think two of, of those three teams, uh, two of those five teams, won't be there at the end of the year, and it's pretty obvious which ones I'm referring to. Um, yeah. But the biggest climber of the mall is the Florida Gators, going from unranked to climbing all the way to number twelve after the, yeah. the the win against Utah. Do you think that's almost too far of a climb? I mean, I know the things we said, right? Florida looked legit. Anthony Richardson might be probably the best quarterback when it's all said and done with. But that is a really far climb up. No, I I, I think it is. Um, because, again, it's, it's only one week. They barely beat Utah. I think that that might be too steep of a climb for them. Now, if if they were to go in and beat Kentucky next week, then I would say maybe top 15. But to go from unranked to 12th, probably not what I would have done. I, I would have put them in the top 20. Don't get me wrong. I would have put them in the top 20, but not in the top 15. Right. Uh, I, I think somewhere around the, the 15 to 17 mark is where I probably would have put them. Because it, just looking at some of these other teams, you know, if they match up against Arkansas, that that's going to be a really good game if if, if they play each other this season. Uh, but uh, again, I think twelve is just too high of a jump. They could prove us all wrong. They they could end up being one of the top four teams uh, in the country when it's all said and done, and it comes time for the playoffs. Arkansas and Florida do not play this year. Um, that that was not one of their um, out of division opponents for the SEC. But I mean, I agree with your sentiment, right? But then you look at it. I mean, Utah's the team they beat. That's who they're ahead of by one spot. Michigan State, I think, played an unranked opponent. Miami played Bethune Cookman. The only argument I would have is Arkansas. However, they beat number 23 Cincinnati, and that was not the same Cincinnati team that we are. You, now, granted, Cincinnati had a good showing. It's not like they got the doors beat off of them, but it, it wasn't the same team, right? So, I mean, if you look at the teams that are, they're ahead of, when if you put them head to head right now, there's not many teams I'd pick against Florida. So, again, they have to beat Kentucky this week. If you don't, if they don't beat Kentucky this week, 
then it's, it's not, it, it doesn't matter what they did week one, right? The, the air's out of the balloon. Everyone's like, was that a fluke? And is, and, and really, let's be all honest with ourselves. Maybe Utah's not the team we thought they were. And I hate saying that because I'm not trying to take, I'm not trying to take away any credit from the Florida win because they deserve all the credit in the world for that win Saturday night. But Utah lost a lot of defensive talent. And they lost a hot, their, their heart and soul of that defense and Devin Lloyd in the draft this year. So, yeah, they had a lot of rebuilding also. But the biggest questions from for me is, what is Utah, who's not number 13? Can Florida put it back-to-back against Kentucky this week? And really, I, outside of that, I mean, we really got to figure out what Clemson and Michigan are. I mean, Clemson, man... They they that forty one to ten was not an indication of what that game was. It was not a forty one to ten ball game for for the whole game. No, no. I mean, I, I, honestly, I have nothing else to say. You, you you said everything I was going to. Man, that's a first. I know. <laughs> I know. Every point you brought up is what I was going to say. So I mean, um, so looking. Looking throughout the rest of the top 25, um, I mean, Oregon Oregon went from 11 to unranked. Do you think they deserve to be dropped that far out of the, out of the, the position? I, I think so, yeah. Just because of the fact of, if you look on the AP 25, right, there's only a hand, there's only, I think, three teams that have 0-1 records after week one. And that's Notre Dame, which they lost to top a top two team at the time. Yeah. Um, Utah, who they lost to Florida, which they think is a top fifteen team. So you're not going to drop. Then they still drop six spots, and that's it. I think it's two teams. Other than that, everyone else won. So when you get beat that bad, who are you dropping off this list? I mean, it's not like they were competitive in the ball game. If it was like a 21-point differential, you know, 24, I could see them still being in the top 25. But they didn't even look like they were in the same atmosphere as that team. And so I think it says a lot about what they – I mean, granted, look, we got to keep in mind, Oregon has a new quarterback in Bo Nix. They have a new head coach since Mario Cristobal left. They, they they were a great unknown going into this year. They lost their starting running back last and this past year from the draft. There's a lot of what ifs in the Oregon program, especially now under that new regime. This is just another contemplation of man. Like even in the coaches poll race, when they barely stayed in the coaches poll. I mean, they're in they're in 24. So I honestly I'm not surprised by the 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 the, the avalanche fall they had. See, so my my argument for them to stay in the top twenty-five would be that they lost to the number three team, the reigning champions. Uh, now again, it was an ugly loss, but looking at some of the the teams from twenty-five to twenty, they could have a good game against Houston. I don't think they could beat Tennessee. Uh, they could probably beat Wake Forest, Ole Miss. I'm not sure what Ole Miss is yet, especially now without Matt Corral at quarterback. I think they could beat BYU. Kentucky would probably be a good matchup then there as well. I think Oregon should have should have fallen back 
23, 25, somewhere in that range. Um, I don't, I, I just, I don't, I don't know why they dropped from, and I, I, I see your point, but I, I, I just can't understand why they went from 11 to, to unranked again, especially after, like you said, new, new quarterback, new head coach, new regime, uh, and then losing to Georgia. I mean, I mean, if you look at last year when Miami played Alabama opening game of the year, I mean, they dropped from 14 to 20, 22. So, I mean, they. So, yeah, that's less, less of a drop than what Oregon. Yeah, but you got to keep in mind, too, is if there wasn't a lot of uh, new at Miami at that time, like, there was still belief Derek King could be the guy, a good quarterback there in the back. Um, they still had Manny Diaz, even though he was on the Rocky Rocks. I mean, he 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 was still the guy. Like he was still returning. There's a lot of returners on that team, so there's a lot less new. That's what I'm trying to say. I think the fact of it was a lot of new going on in the Oregon program with the coaching, the players, the quarterback. To now, you get beat the way you did. I think it's just like man, like we don't know what this team is. I think that that's why they. Dropped them out. That, that's the only thing I, I can, I, I guess, I can understand with with them dropping because we don't know what they're going to be. We don't know what they. Do. No, and they were disappointing last year. I mean, Oregon was bad last year. They were. They were. Dis- I, I, they weren't bad. They I, I, they weren't bad, but they were disappointing. Right? They. They beat Ohio yeah. State in the shoe, and I don't think they lived up to what everyone thought they would be. Because I think they still made the the championship game last season, but they weren't the same team that played in the shoe that day without Kayvon Thibodeau. But the yeah. fact that you lose by forty six points in the opener, and and let's be real, race. I mean, if I'm looking at Oregon's schedule now. They only play two more ranked opponents throughout the whole year. One of them is BYU in two weeks. And then the the next one is Utah, November nineteenth. Their schedule is pretty easy. And who do they play next week? Who, who do they play this coming week? East Washington. Okay, so that should be a win. Um, but then, like, like, I mean, so real quick, if you can, uh, who does BYU play this coming week? Because um, if BYU could win that game, and you go in, they they play, they play BYU, like you said, in two weeks. If, if Oregon can beat BYU. I think Oregon will be need to be back in the top twenty-five. Then, like I said, twenty to twenty-five, somewhere around there. Because I, I so so I can't understand B- why BYU. BYU plays number nine Baylor this week. Oh, okay, yeah, they're, they're probably not winning that game. So, so the BYU game for them isn't going to matter. No, if they're probably going to lose to Baylor, and then then BYU is going to fall out of the top twenty-five. So it's just going to be unranked versus unranked by that time. And and yeah. that would mean Oregon is playing Utah at the end of the year, and Utah just got beat in the swamp by an unranked Florida team. Yeah. So we'll have to see where Utah is in that. We'll have to see where Utah is then at that point. Right. I mean, again, that's the thing about week one is we don't know what any team is until we see them in action coming off right. week one. So, I mean, we're going to know a lot more. Expect. I mean, not a lot of great games coming this weekend. Um, but there's still some interesting matchups to pinpoint. For example, that BYU and Baylor game that we were just discussing. But 
In the meantime, Raceland, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, we were recording the predictions right after we hit uh, stop on this one. But I can't wait to dive into who we think is going to win this week and, and who we think could pull some upsets. And NFL Week 1 is this weekend as well, so I'm excited to predict those games as well. But until then, I am James, and that was Raceland. Thank you for listening to your favorite football podcast. <laughs>